life and be a very practical message. I hope it'll be a help and encouragement to you. And it won't be really, really deep theologically, but it's something that all of us are going to need at some point or the other. And I hope it'll be a blessing to you and a help. You know, we've got a lot of folks going through a lot of things and do remember Brother Brandon's family, Brother Rodney and Brother Keith's family. And again, that, the, the view will be tomorrow night, 6 to 8 over there in Gentry, and the service will be at 1 o'clock. Peace Haven there on Monday, so please do, on Tuesday, so please do pray for that family. Remember Dana James as well, she's had a pretty rough couple of days, and I just continue to pray for her there still uh, in the hospital. Brother Ed, I know they said he may still have a little touch of pneumonia. Remember Shirley Watson still up there at home with hospice care, and just a lot of needs in our church family. There's a lot of folks still dealing with sickness, a lot of different things, a lot of bereavement uh, going on, folks that have had their loved one pass on here in the last several months. And uh, that's a heavy load to bear, and it's a heavy load that they have to carry. So let's certainly pray and uh, lift them up. Pray for one another. I remember Brother Tom, actually, I, I learned that years ago. It may not be great grammar, but this is what he always said when he closed up the service. He said, you and yours pray for me and mine, and me and mine will pray for you and yours. And Well, there's a lot of truth in that. The Bible even says we're to bear one another's burdens, and I'm thankful we can, we can go to God when we can't get anybody else. But I'm glad we can go together collectively to the Lord in prayer, and God still hears, and He still answers prayer. And we're all a needy people. You may feel like you're doing okay right now. Well, you just hang on, friend. It's coming. You just remember uh, Job 14.1, still in the Bible, man, that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. There'll come a day when that trouble come knocking on your door. Well, how in the world are you going to handle that? Well, how are you going to deal with it? Well, I believe that God has given us something today that I trust to be a blessing to you. I'm going to read one simple verse, and I'll give you a little bit of context, text, and background. This is where our heart is today. Notice 1 Samuel chapter 27. I'm going to ask you to stand, but look with me in verse number 1. Now, if you, if you were to go back in chapter number 26, you can understand that in chapter 26, uh, David has spared the life of Saul. You'll also find him doing that in the wilderness of En Gedi. In chapter number 24, he has spared Saul's life in a cave. He could have killed him. Now, at this point in, in David's life, he's been a fugitive for about seven years. Now, Saul has been after him because he's seen the touch of God on his life. He knows that he's been anointed to be king over Israel. He's the one that's going to take his place. So Saul has done everything within his power, Brother Harold, to try to kill David. And at this point, he's been running for seven years. He's just spared Saul's life uh, there in, in a place called Hilkiah. And uh, here Saul basically says, I'm not going to bother you anymore. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit. After he gets that message, I want you to notice what it said in chapter 27 in verse number 1. 1 Samuel 27 and verse 1. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. Basically what David is saying is this. He's been running for seven years. He's weary. He's worn out. He's tired. Fear has settled in. And he said, you know what? I know Saul just said he's not going to seek me anymore. I mean, we've taken that, that, that spear and that cruise of water that was by his head, proven that we wasn't going to kill him. And he said he's not going to bother us anymore. But here's what I'm going to do. He said in his heart, he said, I'm going to go down into enemy territory in a place of the land of the Philistines. There I'm going to stay a little while. And I want to preach just on a simple thought this morning. And Brother Evan hit a little bit on this the other night, avoiding discouragement. Because that's something all of us are going to face at some point or the other. And boy, God's helped me in, the, in past days and in, in years gone by and in the last few weeks. And I want to be a help and a blessing. You may not be discouraged today, but you just hang on, honey. It's coming. There's going to be a day when you're going to be discouraged. How in the world can I handle that? This one simple verse... 
I pray that we'll glean some things that will help us by way of application in our own heart and life. But let's pray together. Fathers, we bow, God, in your presence, Lord, again this morning. Lord, so thankful just for the privilege and opportunity to be back in your house. God, help us to never, never, never take that for granted, the opportunity to serve you and to worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, God, I thank you for your word. I'm glad that it's holy. It's without error. Lord, it's undefiled. And, God, I know you've got a word for your people today. God, you've helped me uh, many, many, many times, Lord, in the past, in the last little bit. Lord, you've been You've just been an ever-present help in time of trouble. And Father, I pray that we would take these principles in the life of David. Help us to understand that we can't avoid this thing called discouragement. I pray that you'd meet every need. I pray if there's one here today, never been saved, never been born again, they don't know the free pardon and forgiveness of sin that's found in Jesus. They don't know that heaven's going to be their home. I pray that today would be the very hour, Lord, that they trust Christ as their Savior, have their sins forgiven. Lord, they could know that they could go to a place called heaven one day, a prepared place for a prepared people. That God help this feast preacher now to decrease that Jesus may be increased and lifted up I pray that you'd have the preeminence you'd get the glory and we'll give you thanks and praise for we ask it all in Jesus name and all God's people said Amen. Well, we've read this one simple verse. Again, not going to be real, real deep theologically, but they're very simple principles that are found here in the life of David. Now, we understand by the Word of God that David was a man after God's own heart. That's how the Bible defines him and how the Bible describes him. And he was a man after God's own heart, but he was made, listen now, he was made out of the same stuff that Brian's made out of. He was made out of the same stuff that you're made out of. There's times when he had some lapses in his life. He had some mental lapses. He had some spiritual lapses. He had some physical lapses, just like you and I have a tendency to do. Now, keep in mind, I've already said for seven years, he's been a fugitive from Saul. Saul has tried to kill him at least probably 20 times at this particular point. He's weary. He's worn out. He's tired, and he's afraid. Now, Saul has just said, I'm not going to bother you anymore, David. But David said in his heart, according to verse number 1, I'm going down into enemy territory. I do believe this, Brother Harold. I believe David this was a sin of David. Now understand this. We thank God for God's providential hand. Sometimes we can't comprehend that. We can't even understand that at times because of our little finite minds. In God's providential care, David, I believe, went down in the land of the Philistines out of the will of God, yet God still protected him, and God still took care of him. You say, when a preacher, why is that important? How many times have we stepped out of the will of God? How many times have we went a different direction than God wanted us to go? We didn't. We didn't inquire of him. We didn't go to the Lord in prayer. We said in our heart, this is what we're going to do. We made a mistake, but yet God in his love and his mercy and his grace and his richness toward you and I providentially protected us and put a hedge about us. That's exactly what God is doing in the life of King David. There's many lessons that we could learn from the life of David. There's numerous messages that we preached on um, up to this point. We preached on his adolescent years, his adult years, and then his ancient years when he done most of the writing of the Old Testament there and, and, and pinned a lot of things down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. God used him mightily. But here in this particular place, I believe David was somewhat overwhelmed and discouraged. Again, seven years, he's been weary, he's been worn out, he's tired and he's afraid, and he says in his heart, he leaves God out of the equation, he said, I'm going down into enemy territory. Now keep in mind, God providentially looked after him, but how in the world can you and I avoid discouragement? And when you think about David, 
David, again, has been running from his life. He decides on his own. He's going down there. And, and when David, in his more mature years, this is what he pinned down. Now, he wasn't following this principle in 1 Samuel 27. But listen to what he said in Psalm 32 and verse number 8 and 9. David said, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. Now, this was God speaking unto David. Now, this is in his latter years. He wasn't using this wisdom here, but God told him in Psalm 32 and verse 8 and 9, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Now, God told David, he said, I will guide thee with mine eye. It's almost like the care that we would give under our children uh, to keep them from, from stepping off of a high place or, or falling into some kind of hole. We see it before they do, and we would, we would guide them with our eyes. Well, God said, I'm going to guide you. And David understood that principle late in life. But understand all the difficulties, all the circumstances, all the situations, all the obstacles that David had placed in front of him. God was using these examples. He was using these situations to mold him into the king that he wanted him to be. It was a preparation stage, if you will, for King David. Now, it's seven years by the time you get to this point. There was about ten years in total that he was running for his life. There was a constant threat upon him as Saul was alive. Yet God was trying to teach David some valuable lessons. And that's why he come back in Psalm 25 and he pinned that down when God told him, don't be like the horse. And don't be like the mule. Well, what's, what was God trying to tell him? You think about a horse. A horse tends to rush in. God said, don't do that. Don't be as a horse, which have no understanding. They tend to rush in to the battle. And don't be like the mule. The mule is sort of stubborn and wants to hold back. God said they don't have any understanding either. So what God's trying to tell David and what David got later on in life in his ancient years as he penned down Psalm 25 is this. He said, man, you don't need to rush ahead of God's will and you don't need to hold back from God's will. You better be running parallel with him. And David understood that principle, but he, didn't, he wasn't following it right here. In 1 Samuel 27, verse number 1, because you find nowhere where he said, hey, go get to Ephraim. Hey, let's inquire of the Lord. And numerous times David did that, but he didn't do it here. David said in his heart, he had a problem, he had a situation, he's weary, he's worn out, he's tired, he's afraid, and he said, I'm going to handle this on my own. I'm going down into enemy territory. And I believe he was greatly discouraged. Now, when you think about this, what he should have done is what you and I should do, but oftentimes we don't do it. Proverbs chapter number 3, verse number 5 said, Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Now, how many times do we think, oh, yeah, I got, I got education, I got academics, I got, you know, God's given me a, a, a good mind, and well, I think I can figure this out. You know, this pro it's a problem, it's a situation, it's a circumstance, but I, I can handle this. Man, we make a mess out of things and we leave God out of the equation. Now, David should have trusted the Lord as you and I should trust the Lord. And when we don't and we rely upon our own strength and our own understanding, that's when you and I fall prey to this thing called discouragement. There are several things that David had, and I believe David had some doubts going on. Now, do remember this, and I'll give you this at some point or the other in time past, but there's a difference in doubt and unbelief. Now, David didn't have an unbelieving spirit. 
But he did have doubt. You say, well, what's the difference, preacher, between doubt and unbelief? I thought they were the same. No, no, they're different. Doubt is a temporary thing uh, that, that, that reflects the heart. I mean, it's a temporary thing. And oftentimes we'll doubt things. Now, what is unbelief? Unbelief is a permanent thing. It's a permanent rebellion of a person's will. I mean, there's people today that have heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're listening to me, now, this is not a salvation message, but i got to plug it right here. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to save your soul, you're on a road to a place that is called hell. Now, that is not a popular message. That, that's not something we can just swing from the chandeliers on, but it's a fundamental fact and it's truth. Jesus said, John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, how do we know there's two roads? How do we know there's a heaven? How do we know there's a hell? Numerous examples in the Word of God. Matthew 7, verse 13, Jesus said, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in there, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Boy, that's a mouthful, but there's a broad road that leads to destruction. According to the Word of God, there's many that are heading down that road, and then there's a straight path that leads to life. And there's few heading down that way. That few crowds going to heaven. That, that broad crowd that many of them are going to a place called hell. Why? Because they're bent in a permanent state of rebellion of the Word of God. Their will, they will not turn from their sin to the Savior. Did you know the choir just sung a minute ago? He lifted me out. Man, ain't nothing like getting clean. I remember those days of priming the back and you get that old tobacco gum on your brother Jason and sometimes you get gaudy, you get wet in the morning, you'd be nasty. Hey, wasn't nothing like getting home and getting in a, in a shower. And, and like that old phrase, ain't you glad you used dial? Don't you wish everybody did? And you get all that stuff, and you get cleaned up, and you get refreshed. There's just something about getting clean. I tell you, the only thing better than that is this. That day when I understood and I realized I was a lost sinner on my way to a place called hell, I was guilty. Man, I was guilty as charged. And I called on the name of the Lord, and the Lord lived lifted me out of that old miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. He's been my all in all. He's been faithful. And man, if you don't know him, boy, you're missing out on the greatest thing that you can have in this life. But many won't get saved because they don't have that temporary lapse in the heart of doubt. They've got that unbelief, which is a permanent rebellion of their will, and they will not do you see the Bible talks about there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof is the way of death and destruction. Now David didn't have that permanent rebellion. He just had doubt. He had a temporary lapse in his heart. Now before we criticize old David, a man after God's own heart too much, probably all of us some point or the other. I mean we were all in that state of unbelief at one time. That permanent rebellion until the Holy Spirit brought through, broke through and we heard the gospel and we turned from our sin. We called on the name of the Lord. The Lord saved our soul. But since we've been saved, there's doubts that will creep up when we have those lapses in our heart. That's where David is. Now, I've already shared what he penned down in Psalm 25. The Lord told him, he said, I will guide you and I'll lead you. He said, don't be like the horse, don't be like the mule, which have no understanding. But that's on down the road. David is learning. Keep in mind, he's going to be the king of Israel. God is going to use these situations. He's going to use these circumstances. He's going to use these obstacles to mold him and to make him into the king that God wants him to be. And boy, it took some time. But let's think about this. For just a moment, David 
uh, at this particular time in his life, he's doubting, and he's basically living without the guidance of God. How do you know that? Well, verse number 1 simply says, notice as you read it again, and David said in his heart, he didn't go to God. David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than that I should, escape, should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. David's got some doubt. And here, no doubt, it's turned in to a time of discouragement in his life. He's weary, he's worn out, he's tired, and he's afraid. Now, there's three things that David did that you and I better not do. And they're found right here in verse Number one of 1 Samuel 27, if I'm going to avoid discouragement. Now, discouragement is going to come, but you don't have to linger in it. You don't have to waller in it. Are you with me? You don't have to waller in that thing. You don't have to stay in that thing. God can give you an escape route. He can give you a way out. And all of us will face things at some point or the other that will discourage us. Well, preacher, how can I avoid discouragement? Let's look at what David did, and let's don't follow this example. What did he do? There's three things that he did, and they start with P. First of all, his perspective was wrong. You say, what do you mean his perspective was wrong? Well, notice what the Bible said again there in verse number 27 and verse 1. David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. David's perspective, Brother Harold, was all wrong. Now, keep in mind, I've already said at this point, context-wise, 1 Samuel 27, Brother Brandon, he's been on the run for seven years. Yet God has spared his life for seven years. Time and time again, God would, would, would get him out of the way. He had put that hedge of protection about him. But now David's perspective ha- is wrong because he looks around. He said, man, he said, I shall now perish. He's got to that point. Keep in mind now he's wore up physically, mentally, spiritually. He's exhausted. And he's got to that point in his life, and now his perspective is wrong. He's not looking at the positive things. He's looking at the negative things. Now, how many of us do that? You see that glass that's, that's, that's halfway up? Is it half full or is it half empty? See, an octopus is going to say, well, that thing's half full. Pessimist is going to say, well, that man, that thing's half empty. David was a pessimist at this particular time. And he was thinking on those negative thoughts. This sort of goes along, sort of a little bit like last week on Sunday morning. You know, we, we are how we think. Every one of us, we're a product. Our behavior is a product of what we think. And that's just, I don't know how to say it. Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says this, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We are a product of our thought life. And boy, there's a lot of thoughts that go, there's a lot of things that come in. That's why you got to have a good filter, Brother Brandon. you got to have a good filter with your eyes, and you got to have a good filter with your ears. You think about a car, uh, if your car gets to running, it ain't running real, real smooth, that air filter might be clogged up, and it's not getting enough airflow inside, so you got to clean that filter out. Well, there's some filters we better put on our eyes, even our mouth and our ears, Because we've got to understand things will come in. And when you think on those things, they can either encourage you or they can discourage you. Well, here David, his perspective is all wrong. I mean, God has proven faithful for the last seven years of sparing his life. But now he's got a low point in his life. He's weary, he's worn out, he's tired, and he's afraid. And now his perspective is wrong. Saul has just said 
Man, I'm going to leave you alone, David. But David said, you know what? I, I'm Lord. He didn't say, Lord. He said to his heart, you know what I got to do? I got to get down into enemy territory. I'm tired. I'm discouraged. I'm afraid. But his perspective was wrong because he thought Saul was going to kill him again. Although God had faithfully, faithfully, faithfully took care of him. His perspective was wrong. If we want to avoid uh, discouragement, our perspective better be right. What we think on, we hit last week, Philippians. This is something worth our pondering, our pondering life, our meditation life. What do you think on? I mean, listen, God help you if you tune into CNN and all and the, and the news stations, all that negative. Man, if you if you saturate yourself with that stuff, man, you're gonna be so defeated. Now, am I telling it right? You're gonna be so discouraged listening to that nonsense and all that negative. Uh, spew that comes out, then it comes into your mind, and you get to thinking about it. And we're a product of our thought. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Well, preacher, what should I think about? Well, listen, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on those things. Our thought life, our meditation, our pondering, it is very important. You think on the negative. Think about this, and, and many, many people do this. I've done this. We probably all have. Let's say you get, you get to hurting on your side. What are you going to do? You're going to start Googling. Or you go to the doctor and they, they tell you you got something, then you're going to Google that stuff. I remember when Daddy got that a pit of galatis or whatever that stuff is. That's the worst thing you can do is to Google something. Amen. Because you know what will happen? When you Google something like that, and this is, oh, man, this is terrible. But you're leaving God out of the equation. Amen. You're leaving the Lord out of the equation. So do yourself a favor. When, when the doctor report or the blood level is e- elevated, you look at my chart and you ain't seen the doctor. You start Googling, well, what is this? And then you get terrified. Now you're afraid. You're in a ditch somewhere. You're in a hole, discouraged, and it's your fault because you took God out of the equation. Now, I know what I'm talking about because I've been there and done that myself. I ain't preaching down to you, man. I'm the least among you. I'm just saying, this is where we live. But the perspective will be wrong. David said, I I shall now perish. God, where did he get that from? God had met the need here. Sustained his need here. Sustained his need. Met his need. Protecting. Protecting. Provided. Protecting. Provided over and over and over and over again. But now the enemy's come and infiltrated his mind, and now his perspective is wrong. Now he's discouraged. If we want to stay encouraged and not discouraged, you want to avoid discouragement? Man, your perspective better be right and not wrong. Like David, there's another thing, though. Not only was his perspective wrong, but his patience was worn. W-O-R-N, worn out. Notice what it said, chapter 27, verse 1. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is his perspective. His perspective is wrong. Man, I'm going I'm to perish. Although God's proven faithful up to seven years up to this point. Notice this to read on. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. Notice, he didn't say gradually. He said speedily escape. You see, his patience, brother Wayne, had worn thin. His patience had worn out. I mean, he's been waiting seven years. Now, he remembers this, Brother Brandon. 
He was in his father's house. You remember all the brethren came through. First Samuel, I guess it's chapter number 16 or 17, chapter 16. All of his brethren came through. And Samuel said, he seen alive. He said, man, surely this is the Lord's anointing. And God said, don't look on the height of his stature. He said, I refused him because the Lord, don't look on the outward appearance as man does. He looks on the heart. And, and he, all the sons of Jesse passed by. And uh, God said, none of these are it. So Samuel asked Jesse, he says, any more? He said, oh, yeah, I got one little lad out on a, in the field, I'm paraphrasing. He said, he's tending sheep. His name's David. He said, having him pass by. When David came in the house, the Lord said, that's him. Anoint him king over Israel. Now, he was anointed king at that particular time. And, but yet, it took many, many years for it to come to fruition. Now, at this particular time, his patience has worn out. I mean, he spared Saul's life twice, chapter 24, there in the wilderness of En then he spared him in chapter number 26, prior to chapter 27. There he took that spear and took that cruise of water. Him and Abishai went down, and God, Abishai wanted to pin him to the ground. God, and David said, don't you touch God's anointing. In other words, he understood the providential hand of God. God's timing was always right. But here he's got a lapse. This judge or this doubt has come in. He don't have unbelief, that permanent rebellion in his heart, but he's got a doubt. He's got a lapse of judgment in his heart. Because fear's crept in, and now his patience has worn thin. He said, i got to speedily go down into the land of the Philistines. Now, you've heard me say this, and I, I'd say it again. God's helped me some. I don't pray for patience. I don't encourage you to do that. Because tribulations uh, worketh patience, according to the Word of God. You want some tribulation? You want patience? You go ahead and pray for it. And i got to give you some, but it might be through tribulations and other things uh, that come in your life. But Patience has not been one of my greatest virtues, but I have learned that God has helped me in that regard. Now, impatience, though, plays right into the hands of discouragement. Now, stay with me. Impatience plays right into the hands of discouragement. Because here, instead of trusting God's promises, God promised him he was going to be king over Israel. Seven years has passed. But now he's got to the point where his patience is worn thin. He said, man, i got to take matters into my own hands. Saul's going to kill me. i got to get down into enemy territory where I know I'll be protected. He, he, he had that lapse in judgment because God had proven faithful. He had helped him and protected him all along up to this point. Now think about what David would pin down later on in life in Psalm 25 and verse 4 and 5. David said, show me thy paths, O Lord, teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strengths, or strength. But how many times do we try to rush ahead? Remember, God told him, don't be like the horse, Psalm 32, don't be like the mule, don't speed ahead like the horse. Don't lag behind and be stubborn and hold back like the mule. Be right in tune. Just like two guitars, so you got to have those strings in tune, just like the piano. Piano's got to be in tune. Those keys got to be in tune, or you got to mess. You got to be in tune with God, step for step with Him. But David got impatient, and his patience was worn out. And if you want to avoid discouragement, your perspective better be right. And listen, don't let your patience get worn out in God's time and let Him work things out. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It said, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. 
And let us run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. David is looking externally on his circumstances, on his problems, on his situation, on his obstacles. He should have been looking to the Lord. And you and I do the same thing. But we better look unto Jesus. Amen. You want to avoid discouragement, you better look unto him. But his patience had worn out. Listen to what God said in Galatians 6, verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I've often said this, if you're in any kind of ministry, it doesn't matter what it is. It might be vacation Bible school. It might be Sunday school. It might be back there in the sound room. It might be uh, over here on Wednesday night with our kids. It might be the ladies' meetings. It might be the women's meetings. It might be the men's meeting. It might be singing in the choir. Whatever it is, if you do anything for God, there's going to come a time when you're going to get discouraged. It's going to set in. And a lot of times it's because you look and you want to see results, and results ain't really coming back, and it takes time, man. You gotta let you gotta let it let it mature. You gotta let God uh, do what He wants to do. And sometimes we'll get discouraged when our patience gets worn out. And here's the thing too: you gotta be patient with people. Ain't that right, brother Harold? We gotta be patient with people. Not not you know a lot of folks say, well, all men are created equal. Now that's a partial truth. Not all men or women are created. I mean, a lot of us are all of us are different. And thank God for that. But you know what? It takes patience. And think about a child. I mean, that's like you go through the training, uh, you go through the potty training, and you think, man, they ain't never going to walk, they ain't never going to feed themselves, they ain't never going to do this, they, but you've got to have patience. Sure enough, over time, you just, keep putting, you just keep putting those building blocks and that repetition in front of them, and sure enough, before long, they, they pick right up. But listen, it takes patience. But when our patience gets wore out, boy, I'm telling you, it's a breeding ground for discouragement. So what did David do? His perspective was wrong. He said, man, I, I'm on... I'm going to now die at the hand of Saul. Here he is. His patience is worn out. He said, i got to speedily get down into the land of my enemy territory down the Philistines. That way I'll be protected. He took matters into his own hands. But there was a third thing that got him discouraged. And, boy, this is what we, if we want to avoid it, our perspective better not be wrong. Our patience better not be worn out. But our prayer better not be wanting. Wanting. Nowhere in this text do you see where David called on the Lord. Now there's multiple times, and I want to show you this. I'm just going to flip back and I'm going to read this in chapter number 23 of 1 Samuel. You stay with me right here. I'm about done. 1 Samuel 23 and verse number 3. Listen to what, what God said, what David said. 1 Samuel 23 and verse 4, then David inquired of the Lord yet again. That means he had already inquired of him. He, he said, Lord, I need direction. I need help. I need assistance. I need guidance. God, you've got to show me the steps that I need to take. And the Bible said he inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. There was another example of David inquiring. He didn't know which direction to go, didn't know what to do. Yet he prayed and inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, hey, this is the direction you need to go. And he got victory. He got victory of it. Notice what it said in that same chapter, chapter 23 and verse number 9. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring hither the ephod. 
Now, what is that ephod? That's how they were to inquire of the Lord as he had the priest to come in. He wanted to seek direction of the Lord again. There's Saul's after his life, and he inquired of the Lord. God gave him an answer, gave him victory in that situation. Also, in chapter number 30 of 1 Samuel, after uh, chapter 27, notice in chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, verse number 7 and 8, just get this. And David sent to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod, and Abiathar. Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Numerous times in the life of David, a man after God's own heart, he's sending for the ephod. He's inquiring of the Lord, God, I need help. I need direction. I need assistance. Lord, you got to show me what you need to do. But you don't find it in chapter 27 and verse number 1. Why? Because it started with his perception being wrong. Then his patience was worn out speedily, I got to go. But then prayer was wanting because the very first words of chapter 27 and verse 1 says it all. And David said in his heart. You know what would have made a difference right there, Brother Evan? And David said unto the Lord. But that ain't what he said. It said, and David said unto his heart. In other words... The problem is in front of him. The situation is in front of him. The circumstances is in front of him. David said, I got this. I'm going to figure this out. I, this is the plan that I need to take. I'm going down into the land of the Philistines. But he let God, left God out of the equation. Did you know that a lack of prayer will deepen your discouragement? It sure will. The lack of prayer and communication with God will deepen the discouragement in which you're in. A lot of times we try to figure out, how can I get out of this mess? How can I get out of this situation? How can I make it better? Has it ever occurred to you that you need to call on the name of the Lord and, and get a strict Listen, Philippians 4.13 still says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Ephesians 3.20 said, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We have power at our disposal. But here's what we got to do as Sister Savannah comes. If you want to avoid discouragement, our perspective needs to be right. Where's your thoughts today? And listen, I know how it is. Our thoughts get in the gutter. More times than not, we get in the gutter over here, and we're a product of, of our thought life, our meditation, and our thinking. Man, if you want to avoid discouragement, man, your perception better, not be, better be right and not wrong like David was. How about your patience? Well, preacher, I'm serving, but I get discouraged. Don't feel like the kids are getting anything. Don't feel like they learn. Don't feel like anybody cares about anything. Listen, you've got you to have patience. Don't let that patience get wore out. Don't you make a rash decision like David did and be discouraged. Don't let that doubt come in on you. But then prayer. Oh, if you don't want to be discouraged, your prayer better not be wanting. You better have a close communication line. Thank God for people. Again, I can't ever repay for how the church and others have prayed for me and my family. And God has turned the situation around. I say to God, be the glory. But you and I ought to be in a place ourselves or individually. I'm glad people pray for us collectively. I need it. Don't, don't misunderstand. I want you to keep praying. But I want to be on, on praying ground as well. Brother Harry, I want to be able to fall into that sock closet and to call on God. I want to be able to, when I'm in a hospital or, or when I'm in a nursing home, when I'm driving down the road and I, I don't have time to call anybody else, I'm glad you and I can call on God. And He can hear and He can answer that prayer. But prayer better not be wanting as it was in David's life. You know what prayer will do? 
Sometimes, although the clouds may be dark, when you start communicating with God and you get a little talk with Jesus and you get to hearing that still, small voice of God, there'll be a silver lining in that dark cloud. And listen, I'm telling you by experience, man. Now, when you leave God out of the equation, that this old dark cloud just keeps on hanging around. But there's a break on the horizon when you get to talking to God. And letting know, and letting, or you know the promises that He's laid before you, and you know that He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know He's going to be there with you. I'm telling you today, if you want to avoid being discouraged, let's don't do like David did. David's perspective was wrong, his patience was worn out, and his prayer was wanting. If you're discouraged today, man, come to God and say, God, I sure do need something from you. I'm telling you, He'll be faithful. He'll be faithful. And he'll meet that need. If you're doing okay today, you better put the message on credit because there's coming a day on the horizon when that doubt is going to set into your life. Above all, if you're here today and you've never been saved, listen, that's your greatest need. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He rose again, wants to forgive you of your sin. But you've got to come by faith unto him as we stand all over the house. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, the privilege, God, one more time to stand and share your word. Now, God, you know every need that's in this building. And, God, you've helped me numerous, numerous times. And, Lord, just in the last few days, you've helped me right here in this department in which we're preaching. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement that you give. And, Lord, I'm reminded that David had to encourage himself and you multiple times. And, Father, I pray for that one that may be here today, never been saved. God, I ask, Lord, that you deal with that heart. pray that you'd love on them, help them know their sins. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school, for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat-and-meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's Holy Word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
You must understand that your good words, good works, and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here. And may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.